was Friday, July 20th, 1984. The Ghostbusters hunted gremlins as the police academy had a top secret bachelor party while Conan the Destroyer and the Muppets took Manhattan. It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. A runaway ran footloose into a cruel summer, like a virgin sister Christian as the Karate Kid and Indiana Jones searched for Spock while the never-ending story romanced a stone while jumping in the purple rain. The ducks cry at two minutes to midnight before Frankie said relax and Freddy Krueger creates nightmares. But on this glorious summer evening in 1984 at Adams College, where a group of bullied outcasts and misfits resolve to fight back for their peace and self-respect. And this is Revenge of the Nerds. So today on Cinephiles Flashback, we're going to talk about Revenge of the Nerds with my friend Jason Taylor from the Amazing Three Geeks podcast. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good, buddy. Man, what a year. Like, I wish I wasn't two at that time. Like, <laughs> to see the, some of those movies in the theater would have been amazing. Yeah, it's, I was, luckily for me, I was on, I was 15 on the verge of six. No, I was 14 on the verge of 15. So it was completely in my wheelhouse. Nice. You know, but the problem back then, like you wouldn't, uh, at that time we didn't have, I believe, I'm, I'm assuming, and we didn't have PG-13 yet. We didn't have the PG-13. Mm -hmm. We had G, PG, and R. And if it was R, you had to have ID or a parent to get in, or you had to be really good at sneaking in because it, it was pure chaos at that point. But so on, before we get into our opinion of Revenge of the Nerds, um, let me tell you, it was directed by Jeff Kanu or Kanu. It was written by Tim Metcalf, Miguel Tejada Flores, and Steve Zacharias. And it starred Robert Carradine. Anthony Edwards and Timothy Busfield, among others. Its budget was $8 million. Opening weekend was $1,513,090. And it grossed $40,874,000. So it did good. Did very wow. good. So what was your... So obviously, you. when did you see this movie? I was way too young to have seen this movie. I was probably five when I saw this movie. Now, what what affected you the most? Obviously, you weren't into the sexuality of it in that sense yet. Hopefully. I don't know, man. I, I was trying to figure that out today. I think I just was infatuated by the nerds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you obviously you grew up to appreciate nerdism um, with your Three Geeks podcast and stuff. Are you, you do go by that, but I don't find you nerdy necessarily. Are you self-describing yourself as a nerd? No, I'm, I consider myself more as a geek, but I always wanted to be a nerd after watching these movies because I got the girls. They didn't discriminate at all. I, I just, as a cool group, I thought to hang out with. Yeah, it's a, uh, because I was more into the, 
I wasn't a nerd. I was into the metal rock scene with the long hair and, you know, trying to bag me some bitches. Didn't work. But that was 15-year-old me. I wasn't very good at it. Wasn't very good at it. So are you, obviously you love this movie. I love this movie. And I think we both recognize there's no way in hell this movie gets made today, correct? No, I think this movie is the um, the poster child for not being made today. Like if uh, they could change things and make this movie today, but as this movie stands, it would not. It, there's no way. There's no way. And it all comes down to the the end when he's when he tricks her into a sexual situation. Yes. That's the that's the darkest part of this, and it, it so it was. It still is. There is comedy involved in stuff, of course. These are movies, so you have to separate yourself from the reality of it. We're both realistic. We both have daughters, um, so obviously we wouldn't want that to happen. But in a comedy movie like this, and this is back in the eighties, this is what all movies were like. Everything was mm-hmm. sexist and geared towards teenage sex, teenage this. The last one to do it might have been the American Pies, I think. You know, I'm sure there's other ones in between, but from a big standpoint, American Pie seems to be where it ended. Uh, there's a movie that came out not so long ago called Blockers that dealt with it quite a bit. Yeah, I saw it. It's actually, isn't it actually called Cock Blockers? Yeah, it's got a picture of like a rooster on it yeah. next to the word blockers. Yeah, it's very good. It's actually a very good movie. It's got some crude, crude, crude jokes in it. You're right, but from a if you, even if you took those crude jokes out, it's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. I agree, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> that this movie still makes me laugh when um um uh shoot when Lewis changes the record to swing low, sweet chariot, mm-hmm. I laugh every time, uh-huh. every time. <laughs> it, it, it is funny because I was reading, I didn't even write a lot of stuff down there. I'm just going off of wing. Usually I do try to um, keep it so I could see what's going on, but I know um, who was the kid that um, the, the black gentleman in it. That played oh, the, uh, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar. You know, he said he never had to worry about the gay stereotype because he was already in so many other movies as a different character that that stereotype didn't stick as much as you would think. I, I interviewed the actor who played Wormser, and they said that he had a tough time with the ladies on the set of Revenge of the Nerds because of what they had him wearing. Oh, yeah. As he was playing Lamar. So in the sequel, you know, Lamar gets a little bit more. He's not as um, flamboyant as he is in the first one. I'm sure that had something to do with it. You know, when the ladies are around, you know, you want to hang out with the ladies. Yeah, it's definitely a um, with it and stuff. You had um, I I saw it in the theaters and I remember seeing it in the theaters. I don't remember who I was with. And then I saw it later in the theaters, like on the 20th anniversary or something like that. And it held, it does hold up. I haven't watched it in several years now. I would love to see my daughter's opinion of it by watching it. Did you watch it with your child? Um, I don't think she's seen it yet. I think she's seen some of the sequels, but I don't think she's seen this one. Yeah, I don't. It's hard. I know. You know, your daughter's a little younger than mine, but 
it's hard to get them to sit down and enjoy something we enjoy or something longer than 12 minutes. Yeah, I did. Manage, <laughs> you know, I, I managed pretty well to shove John Hughes down their throat, but that was their, that's what I had on the TV. Every John Hughes, mm-hmm. you know, I had to, they know the breakfast club should be probably played at my funeral at this point. <laughs> We've walked it so many times. I was babysitting once and I turned on 16 candles cause it was PG and that movie should, should have been rated R probably there's nudity. There's the uh, fucks like it's yeah. Yeah. They swear in it. They, I don't know why it didn't become R. He must've um, smooth. That might've been John Hughes saying it's gotta be PG, but it has to have these fucks in it. Mm-hmm. They a little different world we were living in then too. So, yeah. since you were only two years old in 1984, you young fucker, um, were you even two yet? When's your birthday? Uh, December. So I was one and a half. Wow. One and a half. You were still <laughs> shitting yourself. I was. I and was. you still are today. Welcome. I, I was 10% of your age. <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're both bald. <laughs> Isn't it? That's one thing I worry about is people are going to turn on this podcast. They see any of the video clips in the video. They're going to confuse this as a Jason Statham and Brad Pitt podcast, but it's Fred Carroll and Jason. So don't get confused. Don't get confused. Some of the, some of the pop culture surrounding 1984, you know, 84 was a big musical year for me personally. That's when the, um, Hot for Teacher and all that came out. Van Halen, 1984 album. But you also had the, here's five things that were very prevalent in 1984. Cabbage Patch Kids, Trivial Pursuit, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Masters of the Universe. Were five. Oh man, I love some Transformers. Yeah, five, that, those are five prevalent things. Among many other things, because 1984 was just a, it wasn't my favorite summer. 15's a tough, that your parents still have a little control, mm-hmm. you know, at 15, even though nobody was paying attention to me or me. But 1987 was my year, definitely. That, that was the summer of Fred. <laughs> the summer of Fred. What was that from Seinfeld when he said, it's the summer of George. It's hard, yep, George. Yep, yep. So it's it's hard because of your. Why did you pick this movie to begin with? Uh, because I think this movie kind of shaped my entire life. Because I was a kid who grew up in the '90s who didn't discriminate against you know sexuality or whatever. I brought that into my life. You know, besides the uh, the sexual assault slash rape at the end of this movie. That that's a good message to have. I mean, like everybody's welcome. He even tells the lambda lambdas when they're in there doing their thing. So I carried a lot of that with me throughout high school. Like even in high school, you know, we were the quote unquote not popular kids, but we all banded together and got one of us selected homecoming king because like the nerds movie shows you like there's more of these weirdos than there are of the quote unquote popular people. And yeah, I carried that with me through most of my life. Yeah. And you definitely do become, you end up working for them. Mm-hmm. They become your bosses eventually. And, yeah. and there is a, 
I have a friend now. I call him a friend now, but he was somebody that I sadly bullied when we were in high school. You know, he was quote unquote the nerd or the geek. And I was going through rough times in my life and hurt people hurt people. You know, that's what they do. So I remember throwing gum in his hair and stuff like that and, you know, stupid stuff. And it, it was eye-opening when he came to me and to give him courage, you know, and this is going back 20 years now. He, he told me what I did to him and what it, how much it bothered him and hurt him. And we became friends after that. So there is a, you can make a mistake and you can correct a mistake. thousand percent. You know, it's, I just appreciate that friendship a little differently now, you know, Mm -hmm. and regret. I I do regret though, highly what I did. It's so out of my character, what I was doing to this kid. I don't know. I can't recollect. I remembered a moment. I don't know if there was a girl in the room that I was trying to impress or anything like that, but boy, I remember the look in his eyes when he knew it looked like he could kill me at that moment. You know, it didn't, he was not happy. He was broken. I completely broke this kid and I've suffered for it. So I already paid for it and I apologize. So we're fine now. But Wanda, so you picked this movie because it, you know, it was important in your life and stuff. What other, what are five other movies that are very important to your life? Uh, the Wizard of Oz, I used to be able to do that as a one-man show when I was three. Uh, and also, that's the movie that I learned how to program a VCR at when I was like three years old. So, Because I wanted to tape The Wizard of Oz, so I figured it out. But um, I would say The Wizard of Oz, this, um, that's a good question. That is a very, very good question. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which I saw in theaters like 32 times. Freaking that movie still makes me laugh. It's up there with this one. Um, Hmm, that's a, such a good what's one. a movie what's a movie we wouldn't ever guess like even if it's a a serious movie or something that makes you sad or something like that what's a movie i would never assume you enjoy um god man you're asking the good question i know like a river runs <laughs> through it a movie that i enjoy that not you wouldn't guess i'm trying to think of all the bad movies that i like <laughs> I yeah, like well, some bad movies. Um, God, there's a there's so many of them out there. But I mean, I'm I'm very eclectic in my movie role. What I enjoy in a movie, and I'm a I love talky movies. I love the Problem Kevin... Child Two. I absolutely adored. What was it? Problem Child Two. Yeah. Um, as I I like John Ritter, good or bad. John Ritter is awesome. Yeah, it's a. There, you'll think of one after you're done with the show, of course. Polly Shore movies. I love Polly Shore movies. I got carded to see Biodome at the movie theater. They're like, uh, can we prove that you're 13? I'm like, I'm 13. I don't have an ID. Like, what are you doing here? I love this the, is stupid. I love the Polly Shore movie. Um, what's the one when he goes home with the farmer's daughter? Son-in-law. Yeah, son-in-law. I love that movie. I watch it anytime it's on. And... Mm-hmm. Have you seen him yet in uh, Richard um, Simmons' movie? No, I've seen a trailer. I wanted to check it out, though. Yeah, it's not a long movie, right? Isn't it a short? Yeah, I think it's like 10 to 12 minutes long. Yeah. 
I, I'm sure it is fine because people really, I don't think people really know because he's stereotyped as Paulie Shore that wheezy, you know, and all that stuff there. And now that, um, what's his name? Won an Academy Award. Both of those from the, now I'm losing my thought that what's the caveman movie and Sino man, which is great. I mean, if you get a chance to see Encino Man, you got to see it. Even the band, um, you know, that's the the lead singer of the band in the Mexican restaurant there and stuff like that. That's Mike Muir from Suicidal Tendencies in that band. He's the lead singer. And it's actually, if you look, it's the bass player from Metallica. He was the bass player, um, Robert Trujillo. And he was very young then. But so on the movie called uh Polly Shore is Dead where Adam Sandler taunts Polly. He goes, "Dude, we're pretty much the same guy and I get $20 a picture and you're out of work." <laughs> yeah, well, it's absolutely true. It's he <laughs> but I don't think people realize he's running the comedy store also. You know. Yeah, yeah. out there and you know, his mother was a huge uh, to what we're talking about. These people that acted in these movies, these comedy greats all went through Mitzi Shore. You know, mm-hmm. she she created a lot of their acts and gave them the opportunity to be in Hollywood in L.A. So on your show, The Three Geeks, tell people what it's, what is the main focus of it? Man, we, um, we started off just talking geek news. We do, we still do that some, but now it's just us talking about the things we like no matter what they are. Uh, obviously, I've been a big fan of Stern, so we kind of have the mentality of we're just going to talk about anything now where you can come on and we we try to stay geeky, but sometimes we expand past that. Like, I bring in my personal life every once in a while and we talk about that. Like, you know, Fred thinks I have a different girlfriend every every other day. I've mentioned that a couple times. But, um, yeah, we pretty much just talk about anything, mostly geeky stuff, but sometimes other stuff slips in. It's hard yeah. not to. You're to the point. You're such a stud. You're to the point where you could just interview the new girl every week and still have a podcast show every week. Just a new girl, new girl, new girl. I, I, It's overwhelming. I don't know when you're getting married, when you're getting divorced. I can't even tell who you've been married to. And who you, it, it just, it, it's mind boggling. I, I can't figure out. I get com- so confused, and of course we can cut anything that I say that's off-putting. I get so confused over um, you with Max. <laughs> what is that? Where's the connection there? Max and I, we went to elementary school together. Because you've got pictures where you're little kids, practically. Mm-hmm. And it we just... have known Max since the summer of second grade. Uh, yeah, we that... met. I was outside playing GI Joes, and I also forced him to watch uh, Revenge of the Nerds with me. I wanted to perform the uh, the end song at the school talent show, but they wouldn't let us because it was from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be, you know, that whole thing. Like, how many? Just to see Anthony Edwards then and then see what he becomes and also um timothy busfield to see what timothy busfield becomes especially when he went on 
I believe, what was it, thirty something? Was he on that show? Thirty something, Busfield, Timothy Busfield. I think, I think so. Yeah, thirty something was. You think he was in that, and then of course being in Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. you know, and in big movies like that. Robert Carradine. Robert Carradine. He did um, Lizzie McGuire for a while. And this, the guy you mentioned, Wormser, he went behind the camera, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I believe so. I, I interviewed him once. It was a short interview, but uh, we talked about it and his time on the set and stuff when he was 10. Yeah, it's, it, it's, we, yeah, he was that young, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that must be, I always wondered what goes through a parent, you know, my parent, my kids haven't, didn't go into the acting world very much, but I always question the thought process. Do you just put the kid in it? Like, I'd love to be on a movie set of, like, like um, Blockers or something. Or even worse, Bad Boys. Uh, it was a Bad Boys, that other one that was with the little 12-year-old kids that um, find their parents' sex toys and stuff. Uh, I know Do- a movie you're talking about. What is that movie called? It's not called Bad Boys. Oh, man. Um, it, it's so good. It's so funny. That, you know, the the different things they go through and it's just, just unreal that kids could talk like that. And I never understood exactly, you know, why they do that and stuff, you know, like, does it take a parent, does it ruin a future in movies? Cause like a Haley Joe Osmond, would you call Haley Joe Osmond successful in his now life or failed? Um, that's a good question. I don't know that he's actually like actively seeking out acting roles anymore. So probably he's probably, you know, kind of failed since he was a kid, but I would say that I don't, that's a tough one because he, he had success, so he didn't like fail, fail, but now, yeah, maybe. Don't you think success is, um, more valuable at an older age, later in life, rather than earlier in life, it's got to suck to, I equate it to these bands that were playing large arenas in the eighties and now play nightclubs. Hmm. It's got to be a brutal feeling. It's got to be brutal to be at the top and then go back to the bottom. It's, it, yeah. I mean, I can see that, but I mean, financially, it just depends on how good your parents were with your money and how much, you made and so forth like yeah and we know we all know every parent's pretty much screwed their kid out of you know something Mm -hmm. because it's i think it it's getting better it's definitely getting better because you're starting to see children that are successful being able to go to college and still have money you know and stuff like that it's it's definitely something that's important to the movie industry. Now, did you ever get involved in filmmaking? Like, was that ever a dream of yours or anything? I always wanted to be on set, but not, I mean, being an actor and stuff, that wasn't really, I knew that wasn't for me. But then again, I didn't think coming on here and talking on the internet would be for me either. But yeah, well, how did you get into that, the talking on the internet? Cause you've, how many uh, years, how many years are you now? Uh, 10, but good for about three, <laughs> decent for about three years. 
because we literally just started and that's what i tell everybody just just start and see what happens but um i used to have social anxiety like talking to people was not my thing the first 50 episodes of the three geeks podcast i was blitzed while we were doing it i was so drunk just so i could be comfortable enough to talk but um yeah we we just started doing it because i would talk to max and i talked to my cousin who was the original third one with us and we'd have these conversations and i'm like let's put on the internet everybody else is putting these conversations on the internet and it it worked out pretty well for us so far yeah it's a it is i enjoy it i can't get away from it now my my other show a dude in the hen house most likely i'm gonna take that down it just didn't it sometimes you have to accept defeat and it's not on any part of mine or my co-host we just didn't grab the audience that i thought we were going it didn't work as i wrote it down in plan and it's okay to try again in the reboot and stuff it, this is a reboot you're the first you're the first new person in two years to be on this show you're going to be the first episode because we love you <laughs> that's why i appreciate that man bring back in the head of fred i love that show i know i'll tell you i can tell you on this show the problem with the head of fred i also have to make a living outside of this and the head of fred is obviously you know me as a person outside this i'm not that crude and all those things you know that's not the real me it's a alter version of me but not everybody recognizes that. So my work would see it or customers that I have to deal with and stuff like that. It doesn't bother me too much, but it's not, it's not my favorite thing. And it was hard to get guests because nobody wants to be associated with the crudeness and the dirty humor and all that stuff. But it's, it is fun to be that person to just let loose and say, fuck it. I'm just going to say this. And it's similar to this. I get, I still get flack and I don't know why. I guess it's sense of humor. My sense of humor is just warped. But this being the cinephiles flashback, the tagline is where it's okay for a movie to touch you when you're young. I think it's fucking genius. I think it's genius. People <laughs> don't like it. Too. You know, I'm playing off the word cinephile and using it to the movie thing. But I think it's fucking genius. A dude in the hen house originally was supposed to be called the cock in the hen house which i think is genius i can't get people to come on a show called the cock in the hen house because nobody has a sense of humor or the ability to realize that a cock is also a rooster it's yeah, just put a, a rooster on there a yeah. rooster in the hen house just put a picture like they did with blockers <laughs> yeah right exactly but those are you know we could talk forever about the the value of subscriptions, the value of people following you, the value of people commenting. And even if it's not, it doesn't have to, I don't need five-star reviews on every single thing. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We don't have the best equipment all the time. We're not, I'm not remotely good looking. I'm going to call you a nine. You're, you're an awesome, amazing looking man. So, but you know, we're just average fucking dudes. Just it does take out more than people think to get in front of this camera and be willing to talk. And sometimes you you don't even realize you know what you're doing. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you succeed. Sometimes you don't even know you succeeded. You know, it's yeah. just show up every week, and you got to dedicate time. 
there's a just this show right here for me to do the opening the video version of that opening that i did it's gonna take me three to four hours just to get it all looped together with all the imagery all the everything i mentioned there is going to have a visual whether it's from the movie with soundtrack and stuff and it's just something i enjoy i enjoy the fuck out of it it's so much fun to make those up but unfortunately i burned out 1984 because um mick manhattan did ghostbusters which was 1984 and to get through it all you know and then i'll end up doing karate kid i'm sure and it'll just go but we so, didn't talk about John Goodman in this movie. Yeah, he was amazing, wasn't he? Oh, my God. John Goodman is amazing in everything. The dude doesn't phone it in, at least in yeah. my opinion. I love him. He's the whole reason I watched the show Roseanne. I found Roseanne obnoxious. And now I watch The Connors because John Goodman is having a good time on that show. And I can tell from his performance. I just I love watching that guy act. Yeah, he, John Goodman has so many decent roles that people don't give him credit for right to coyote ugly. I mean, even in there, he plays that, but of course in big Lebowski, he's genius. He just takes over that movie. You know, everything about him is that, but I don't watch regular TV and I haven't watched Roseanne in years. What's it called now? The Connors, the Connors, she left the show because of the controversy stuff that she was tweeting out after that first season of the reboot did. So they killed off Roseanne and changed the name of the show. I don't blame her. One thing but I don't blame her for is every single person on that show owes her for their career. Mm-hmm. And to be hey. kicked out, to be able to be kicked off your own show is pretty Hollywood. Well, and I mean, she they owe her again because she had to sign that they could make the show without her. Like she had to agree for that to happen. So like the fact that they're still going is because of Roseanne. Like she decided to sign the papers that said, you guys can continue the show, even though I, the network let me go. But yeah, so, no, they, 100%. I agree. And I mean, they kind of fired her for being Roseanne, which, you know, you know, you know, you, you know who you have, like, yeah, it's a, now you had, um, you know, you had mentioned um, your likeness to, which me and you always connect with, is the Howard Stern likeness. And I was, I was lit just as you signed on. I was listening to his interview this morning with Paul Giamatti, pig vomit, dude. Yeah, he had pig vomit on. You know that that's always, it's a great interview. But where, when did you get introduced to the Howard Stern show? Uh, when I worked at Donato's in 1999-ish, give or take, but the, yeah, give or take. I remember listening. Yeah, I pretty much listened since then. Um, my dad used to roll his eyes when I turned it on in the car, and then a few years later, I caught him listening to it, so I turned him into a fan. But, yeah, I've been a fan since about 99, like right around the time that Jackie was leaving and Artie was coming in. Yeah, those were the best. I think the Artie years are just Dude, genius that pig he, story you would tell about sitting in the car coked up in a pig costume on mad tv set like oh my god yeah he had me roll i remember the 9-11 show i listened to that that's how i found out 9-11 was happening i was listening to the stern show yeah i he was my news reporter that day you know he stayed on until almost three in the afternoon and 
they let it go. They just at that time he wasn't on Sirius XM yet. Mm-hmm. I you know was somewhere they, somewhere a few years ago, and uh, the local rock station, the Blitz, they asked me. They're like, they came up to our to me and it's like, you know, are you still? Do you listen? Blah 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 blah. I'm like, I haven't listened since you guys kicked Howard Stern off there. They're like, dude, it's been twenty years. I'm like, well, shouldn't have done it. Should not have done it because we were one of the networks that didn't get the last few shows. Yeah, ironically. Howard is calm on the channel he could be crazy on. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense. He's so much calmer now, but I I talked that up to all of us just growing up and maturing and just learning to adapt to certain situations. He's still the best that's ever, in my opinion, he's the best that's ever done it. Anybody that does this talking thing for a living, if you're not studying him, then you're you're not you're not going to be doing it right. Like you're not doing it right. Yeah, I can't. Imagine. I'd like to see his um prep, like how he preps. Like what's he doing right now? I know he's probably in bed, but what does he do? What is the prep mode? Because me and you are doing this. We planned this three weeks ago, you know, or two weeks ago. And, you know, we could carry, you know, 30 minutes, we can carry 45 minutes, but there comes a point where it's just too much. He's carrying four or five hours and he's just carrying it. So is that a gift? Is it scripted? Is he that well prepared? It it is genius. It's absolute genius. I think it's a little bit, I think it's all the above. I think some of it, because I, I remember Benji used to feed him lines and Artie would feed him lines. That's what the chair was there for. But, you know, some of it is also riffing. You could tell when he's riffing. And, you know, back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, there was another show on called Opie and Anthony. And I, yep. the reason I'm bringing it up is because the difference was Stern. That show was crude. Like, you could listen to that show and it's like, these guys are just being assholes to be assholes. But listening to the Stern show, there was just something else that that show had that these other copycats just didn't have. I, yeah, you, I, I never took Stern as crude. You know who, do you remember who replaced Stern on the radio here? Um, Sammy Hagar, right? No, David Lee Roth. David Lee, the other one, yeah. The other I singer. It was somebody from Van Halen. The other singer. So before we end this, before we end this and we talk about um, how people can get a hold of you, I want to try something with you. I have this thing. I have this thing called the movie book. It's a very large book. I want you to just pick, give me a page number, and we're going to go to it, and we're going to see if it's somebody we could talk about, just to okay. maybe open uh, people's eyes. Page 132. 132. Let's see where 130. You excited, man? Uh, Taylor Swift's first year in the uh, NFL, and she's made the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's amazing. So, <laughs> amazingly enough, page 132 is a woman named Goldie Hawn. Okay, so what do you know about, what do you like or dislike about Goldie? Goldie Hawn. I see, I, I'm trying to think of what she's been in off the top of my head. Well, Private uh, Benjamin. Um, what movies would have you seen her in? Um, the Birdcage, maybe? Um the one with Steve Martin when she takes over his house. You probably, so all you know about Goldie Hawn is she's um, 
Kate Hudson's mother. Yeah, I'm looking at her IMDb page. I'm ashamed that I haven't... I've seen Overboard. Yes, I've seen Overboard. That's literally the only one on this list I've seen. Yeah, and, and she's I, also... out of thing. So it also fits... It doesn't fit into your age range very well. Um, but she was enormous in in me growing up and stuff. Because that, that was somebody your mother would watch and laugh at. But she also had crudeness, but she was also attractive. So mm-hmm. all those hormones and everything like that worked well. But I just thought it was interesting. This whole book is insane that I got. And I it's it's just enormous. And I just like to flip through it. And I figured I'd I did try recently it. watch the first wives club that she's in. I thought that was pretty good. And uh, yeah. Death Becomes Her. She's in Death Becomes Her, right? I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever because you go through girls so quickly, do you ever have to watch the same movie with different girls? I, I, I have, yes. I'm surprised I'm not married yet. I've been dating um, Deanna for over a month now. A month? Ooh. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you get married quick. How many times have you been married? Twice. Twice. Only oh twice. God. How many kids do you have? I have uh, my biological daughter, and then I've got uh, uh, my son my daughter, and then my my last girlfriend's uh, youngest still claims me, and I still claim her because she's a good kid. She lost her dad passed away a few years ago. So no, it's all great, but it's overwhelming. You get so confused, and then yeah, you try. No, it, one of the problems with I'm very much like you. I've got relationships with children from. Whose, mo- whose mothers I don't even talk to, right? But I have relationships with the children still in a non-creepy way before anybody out there thinks in a creepy way. But it's hard to explain to the next girl who these kids are. Like your ex-girlfriend's kids coming over. And say, it's chaos. Listen, if I had your gift, you, you definitely have a gift. What do you think is your attraction what 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 what's your gift? What what's working for you? Uh, I think it's the fact I am a good person. Like I really am a good person, and I think they see that. I would um, agree. That's that's really that's what I got going for me is the fact that I'm a good person. I'm friends with all my exes. Uh, we have no problems. And yeah, I when me and Deanna started dating, I had to give her the rundown of <laughs> my children and how they're connected to me, and the fact that I am friends with my exes and the list. That, that can't be a problem because I'm not going to stop talking to my friends, but it's a dumb, listen, it's the world we live in today. It is so much easier to be friendly with an ex than not to be. Yeah. And plus, you know, any anger from the relationship to me, it's just not worth hanging on to. Yeah. I've got a few that I'd prefer probably not to run into. Yeah, me too. But you know, but for the most part at my age and at the maturity level I am now, I'm never going to be out of control in a situation. It's a, hi, how are you? And keep going, you know, yeah. at that point. But, okay, well, I want to thank you for being on because I think you're a great guy. I think you're fun. You're a good friend to me. And I hope I'm as good to you as I think you are to me. I try I to support you. That. I try to support you whenever I can. I'm not a geek. I'm not a nerd. I don't always know anything about the people you have on your show. 
because you you and Mick with these damn Star Treks and all this sci-fi stuff that I just can't wrap my head around and then cartoons I have no idea about unless it's got Woody Woodbecker. And yeah, it, I don't know a lot about cartoons either. That's not my forte. Yeah, and uh, anime. Oh my god, I've got a kid. My son watches all this Japanese anime. And sometimes he gets into a conversation with me on the phone and I have no idea what he's talking about, you know, about these gypsies and I don't know. He's crazy. But so what's going on on your show and how can people find you? Um, you guys can find me on all social media at three geeks, J or three geeks podcast. Uh, we've got, we're taking a break, uh, the week, uh, the week before Valentine's day, but we'll be back the following week. We got the Petersons on. I don't know when this is going to air, but Go back and watch that interview. They are amazing. We met them when we were working with a certain publicist that I will not say their names for his name, but uh, he, they are some of the best people I've met in life. And they they read uh, erotic novels for a living. And they're very honest with us about, you know, sex life and all that stuff. And we always have them on for the holidays. So I can't wait to find out what's going on now. It's so amazing that all of us have, managed to remain so connected through this one guy we don't we refuse to name because that's how we all met in a general way which was kind of listen the guy's a fucking asshole he's i've already i've got a whole show dedicated to it if you remember where i just hammered this guy but we can't take away that he brought us together so yeah, he's you know, always said he was a uniter. Apparently, you know, accusing people of being racist and prejudiced uh, keeps some friends afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are moments in our friendship. I mean, I'm always so happy to see success. Unfortunately, we need subscriptions to succeed. So I'll put a link in my show to make sure people go over and share yours. Um, I was on your show recently, so... I'll get you the links to this show and just so we could be a part of this. I mean, the only way we can keep this going, there is cost involved. It's not a lot, but to keep this hobby alive and this fun that we enjoy, it does take our time. It takes a lot of time. I'm doing, I'm back with Scott Silverman doing that show. And so I'm now doing three shows a week. Plus I'm writing books still. Plus I'm filming a film and writing and doing this and trying to work for a living. I hate going to work, Jason. I hate it. Can't stand it. Are you still at the same job? Yeah, I uh, I work from home, so my job's chill. I, oh, you got it made. I pretty much answer emails and chat through like Teams, which is like a, what an AOL messenger used to be or what. Oh, you don't have to tell me what Teams is. I'm I'm on Teams. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. I was telling oh, the audience. I'm on work day. But nice. okay, everybody, this is Cinephiles Flashback. I'm Fred Carroll. That is Jason Taylor from the Three Geeks Podcast. Thank you for talking about Revenge of the Nerds. We will see you again, Cinephile Flashback, where it's okay for a film to touch you when you're young. Goodbye, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. The Cinephiles Flashback is hosted by Fred Carroll, produced by Fred Carroll for Venom Studios Media. If you'd like to be a guest, all you have to do is pick a movie. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to have anything to do with podcasting, writing, anything. So be sure to subscribe. Please listen. 
And you can find me on all social media, The Cinephiles Flashback, where it's okay for a movie to touch you when you're young.